there, and welcome to Branded by Amazing. This is episode number 15, and today we have a special interview with a friend of mine right here in Austin, Texas, named Shaquille Prasla. So I've known Shaquille for quite a few years now, and uh, he's got a lot of cool experience in e-commerce, quite different than my experience, actually. And the main topic that I want to dig into with him is on different ways to fund purchasing and growing e-commerce businesses because he's done it a bunch of different ways through loans, through equity, other sources. And this is something that I'm interested in for my e-commerce business myself right now. And I'm sure a lot of people want to know about this too. So super excited to get into this topic. Uh, I'm Matt Clark, the CEO of Amazing.com. And let's get into this interview. All right. Thanks uh, for coming down for this, Shaquille. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, so what I'd like to get into first is kind of your background, which I actually don't even know. Like We've known each other for a few years, but how did you get started in e-commerce? Yeah, so <laughs> in, um, I, I uh, graduated from UT in 2008, did mm-hmm. some financial consulting, uh, but it wasn't really for me, and I didn't know what to do next, so then I went to go get my MBA. And then uh, after getting my MBA, I still felt like I didn't know what to do. So I went on uh, Google and I started looking at uh, jobs to have with an MBA. I kind of went down this rabbit hole of um, selling things online, working from home, being in your pajamas. That really intrigued me. And so I didn't know what to do first. So I packed my bags. And I went to China. And I went to the <laughs> Canton Fair, mm-hmm. which is the world's largest trade show, I think, yeah. at that time. I just walked the boots and found something I really liked. It was these um, men's accessories, watches, cufflinks. Uh, bracelets, tie clips, and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Started a website. Went to uh, Upwork at that. I think it was called Odesk at that time. Yeah. And uh, hired a bunch of people, and uh, started generating some revenue. Learned about SEO. Learned about content. Just really self-taught myself. Looked at competitors. Went on uh, Google. Just kept trying to learn. And then finally, after a year, I made it profitable. But it was a uh, that year was a very long grind. Mm-hmm. After that year, I felt a little still unsatisfied. I wanted to go do something else. So I was at a crossroads of what to do next. Should I consult people on how to start websites or should I just go buy something? And I decided to go buy something because that's what my dad was doing. He was buying businesses. So I had mm-hmm. that kind of exposure. So um, I think in 2013 or 14, I bought my first business. And at that time, uh, multiples were less than two. Mm-hmm. I wish it was still like that today. <laughs> Um, and I, the first website I bought was just selling on their web, website alone, uh, barely running any ads, no Amazon, no eBay, no other marketplace. So I bought that website. What kind of business was it? Uh, it was beverage coolers. Oh, okay. It's like your uh, koozie, but with like a little freezable gel around it. Oh, okay. So it yeah. keeps your soda or beer cold for a few hours. Yeah. And uh, bought the website. Turned on ads. I think I was only spending five hundred dollars a month, and then started selling on Amazon. And remember, I bought it at about a two x multiple, but I was able to make my money back in six months mm. just by doing these few things. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, I'm onto something. <laughs> Let me keep doing this. And so that started me on a journey of trying to find businesses where I could provide value. Yeah. Um, and I think now I've bought fifteen online businesses. Um, just each time was larger and larger. Uh, the first one I bought in, and I mentioned this, but it was $52,000. Mm. Um, so, and, and then since then we've been just buying larger and larger businesses and here I am today. Uh, <laughs> it seems like everybody wants to be buying a business right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I want to get into is like, I mean, part of it's, 
because uh, I find it super interesting what you've done. And part of it's kind of like we were talking about, like out of self-interest. It's like because we're at the point with our uh, e-commerce coffee business that I'm like, we've generated a lot of good cash and we're profitable. and We keep generating more cash. But I'm like, you know, we don't want to kind of just deplete half of our cash, you know, trying to save some money on inventory. But I also think that things are consistent enough that it's kind of crazy not to look at that as an option, like raising some sort of debt, you know, just to kind of fund inventory so we can keep the cash in the bank account, but then also kind of uh, lower our costs. And so I know you've got a ton of experience. And so um, we'd like to talk about like some of the different options you've done, like buying these businesses, like where have you gotten the capital and like what's kind of been your experience? Yeah. And so I think anyone that's looking to be buying a business, it's really hard if you're trying to buy a seven figure business, it's really hard to even have seven figures in the bank account. Mm. Uh, not a lot of people even have that. So you have to do what's called leverage. Um, and, and leverage basically means just taking a loan from somewhere, whether it's a bank, whether it's an individual, whether it's a private equity or, or a VC group. Uh, the most popular way to be buying an online business right now is called an, through an SBA loan. Um, my, my last time I bought an SBA loan or through a uh, used SBA loan was in 2018 when you only had to put down 10%. Mm. So if you're buying a million dollar business, uh, you only have to put down $100,000. And the way I saw the math was if you're buying, you know, let's just say either 3X multiple, the business should be making $333,000 a year. And that's why you're buying it for a million dollars. Um, but your loan payments for that $900,000 over the course of 10 years is supposed to be around $125,000. I have these numbers memorized because I've used this example before mm -hmm. so many times. So the business is making $333,000. And your loan payments are $125,000. Yeah. So you're left with about $208,000 a year yeah. on an investment of $100,000. So your sort of cash on cash is 200% per year yeah. um, versus you having a million dollars and you buy the business and you're making $333,000 a year. Your cash on cash there is only 33%. Yeah. So the math for me worked out because it allowed me to keep more money in the bank Mm -hmm. uh, in that example, I could have bought 10 of those businesses, you know, $100,000 each, just using leverage and just increasing my income. Um, and for, for those SBA loans, which, by the way, in case anybody doesn't know, small business administration, but for those loans, is 10 years like the typical term? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's 10 years on uh, online businesses mm -hmm. and uh, around I had 25 years for real estate or, or an actual physical store. Yeah. And does that usually require a personal guarantee? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you do um, have to give your personal guarantee. Yeah. So if you're not unable to pay loans um, through the, the business, you're going to have to make it up personally. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you still can't do that, then, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have to uh, go through a bank's bankruptcy route. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it, it is risky in the sense that you are liable for that amount. And, um, yes, the interest rate is prime plus 2.75%. So today it would be 6.5%. Um, and it does take a very long time. It takes three to four months to even close these type of loans. And mm. if you're trying to sell it, the, the seller may get it jittery and stuff. But I still think it's one of the best vehicles out there uh, for USA-based companies is to be using an SBA loan. Because um, if you only have $100,000 saved up, that's how you could buy this large cash flow. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're kind of stuck buying smaller businesses. Yeah, and so for that for that kind of loan, is it, is them approving you or not? Is it more based on like you personally or the quality of the business you're buying? 
Uh, it's both. So they do look for two years of tax returns on yeah. the business itself to make sure that, you know, let's just say it, you're buying at $333,000 a year. They want to make sure that it, it's kind of been near there, at least trending up towards that. Um, and then two, they do look at you. They do look at your balance sheet. They do look at your credit score. Mm. And they do look at your experience. They don't want anyone to just come in that doesn't have e-commerce experience. Yeah. Um, so they do want that kind of protection as well. Uh, they will require to buy life insurance too. So if something happens to you, uh, they're the beneficiary, so they get the money uh, yeah. from from that as well. So I, they are some nuances, but I still think it's it's one of the best vehicles out there to be buying businesses. And what um um what was I going to say? Um, have you ever not been approved for one of these SBA loans? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I have it, but th- they do have a cap of five million dollars. Which I am capped off at now. Across multiple businesses or for one? Yeah, You multiple. as an individual can only have that much. Exactly. You know, the number. So, so let's say you and I um, buy a business for $3 million and Andy and I buy a business for uh, $2 million. Yeah. Even though we're partnering, I'm still liable for $3 million on our end and $2 million from, mm. from his end as well. Yeah. So I'm already capped off there. Mm. So they do have those limits. They will, uh, you will get, you may get rejected if... Again, you may not have the experience or you may not have the credit score. Or you may not have the kind of the credit worthiness. Just with any other bank, uh, the thing you could do next is find another bank yeah. to help you out. Yeah, because I was wondering about that. We can jump into that um, because, you know, with the interest rates being so low right now, uh, I mean, six point whatever percent you said for SBA loan is not very high, like historically. But right now it's kind of like, could I get cheaper? Could I get like half of that from, you know, some other source from some other bank who's basically borrowing money at nothing at like a quarter of a percent or something? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've had experience with that also. Yeah. Yeah. So you're typically your interest rate is going to be lower if the bank can have collateral that they deem safe. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why real estate or whenever you buy houses and stuff, your uh, interest rates are, you know, under 3% right now. Uh, it's because you're living in there. They're typically safe. They do an appraisal to make sure, hey, you're getting a half a million dollar loan. That's what the market uh, rate is too. So the bank is really covered there in case you don't pay. They just take over the house and just resell it for at least what they gave the loan for. Yeah. So if you're able to show a safe collateral, um, then the bank will give you better rates. So mm-hmm. let's say um, you own a business. The business is worth $5 million and you need inventory you could tell the bank that, hey, my business is worth $5 million. You could do an appraisal on it. You could see tax returns. I need a $250,000 loan to buy more inventory. Uh, can I hold this business as collateral, suppose? The bank will see, okay, well, wow, this business is valued at $5 million according to our appraisal. Um, sure, we'll give you the $250,000, but if you don't pay that, uh, we will take over this corporate guarantee of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, typically in those, you, you would get anywhere from 3 to 4% interest rates there. And have you, have you been able to use uh, non-SBA kind of bank financing to purchase businesses by themselves? Like um, just using that business you're buying as the collateral? Um, that it, it gets a little harder because you have to have some type of equity in the business. Yeah. Um, but in that instance, it, it's called seller financing, mm-hmm. where, yes, uh, I have been able to buy a business where the majority of the purchase price was financed through the seller. Yeah. Right. So the seller is acting like a bank. Um, and so like our, our terms were over five years, 
we were paying, I forget, it was like 4 or 5% a year um, on a fixed monthly rate. And at the end of the five years, they get a balloon payment. Yeah. And the reason the seller decided to do this, uh, it, we had a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's, that's another key thing is whenever you're buying a business, you want to make sure that there's trust uh, between the, uh, the, the buyer and the seller. So that was there. And he saw that I was really passionate about the business, that I wanted to grow it. And so he felt pretty safe on that too. And then again, I told him when we signed the promissory note that, hey, if I'm unable to pay this more than twice, you take over the business, mm-hmm. right? So if I bought the business for half a million dollars and I've already paid it for two years, he's already gotten you know, 40% of the money. Yeah. Uh, and, and so to him, he feels good about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that also kind of makes the seller do is they, they keep an eye on the business. They want to make sure that the business is going well. So they continue to get paid. Um, but yeah, you, you could definitely pitch the seller financing. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, why would someone want to do seller financing when there's cash offers on the table too, which the market is crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like to get in that for a second, but, um, you know, cause isn't like a typical like private equity model is they, maybe they buy a more established company. And so maybe there's more history and that business can better be leveraged, but they buy an established company. And then, you know, typically they add like a ton of debt on there to like fuel growth. But then I, from my understanding, it's not like the person who owns a private equity fund is saying like, I'm John, I own this private equity fund. Now we bought this business and I'll personally guarantee this new debt on this business. Like they're not going to do that. Yeah. But typically from my understanding, they're putting the debt on the business itself. And so it's kind of like, you know, like your house more or less. Yeah. Um, like, is, is that correct or is that what you're saying? Yeah, it depends on where you get the debt from. Yeah. Uh, the, the ways we've talked about is usually personally guarantee or, 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 but the way you're talking about is a corporate guarantee. Yeah. Um, and, and so it depends where the funding source, if, if it's a private equity group, they got the money from investors mm-hmm. uh, and they're taking their own risk, right? So so if the investor loses uh, money, it, it, it the, the, the private equity, is it's not on them uh, mm-hmm. to return the money. It's just their understanding, right? So if I invest in you know, your companies and stuff, I have no guarantee I'm going to make my money back, but I'm just betting on you yeah. uh, that you're going to make the right right decision so that's kind of the private equity model um again it's it's just a hot space right now especially in the amazon uh field yeah yeah so i mean you said you know when you bought your first business i think you bought it for like 2x profit Mm -hmm. which was kind of the market back then but now you know we've seen it go and you may see different stuff but i've seen it just in my time doing amazon related stuff and like because early on it was like people were all just in the amazon space to kind of make profit like mm-hmm. they'd be great you'd be the biggest hero if you're making 50 grand a month in profit or something yeah um which is still a good amount of money for somebody who just owns a business by themselves yeah. uh, but now it's kind of like we've seen the higher end of the market go to you know tens of millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars for people like selling these businesses so, so it's the high end is completely different now but yeah. we've also seen the kind of multiples increase over time from like when i first heard of people selling these kind of businesses maybe it was like 3x but now we hear like five to seven X, that kind of thing on, on profit. And in some cases, if you have the right kind of business, like a multiple of revenue, um, for you being somebody who's bought these kind of businesses and stuff, like, what do you think of the general opportunity for that kind of stuff right now? Uh, on the buying side, um, they are getting a little expensive. Yeah. Um, but I think it's actually good for the market though, uh, because it's getting more mature, more established. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You know, I think around 2017, 2018, uh, even Amazon sellers, they were okay with, uh, you know, they were just wanted to make some money. Yeah. There was no marketplace to buy and sell Amazon businesses. Um, but I, ever since then, 
And I think I remember in 2017 when I was buying my first Amazon business, I was super scared because Amazon sent the notice saying something about you cannot exchange accounts for sale yeah. or something like that. So I was super scared about even buying a business. But now all of that is, is kind of gone and stuff. Now it's more safe to be buying businesses. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago when like, I mean, you could just wake up one day and Amazon would be like, your selling privileges have been revoked. Ah. And like, you know, five years ago or something like that, like that was common. And like, fortunately, eventually they kind of sorted that out where it's like, if you get a surprise like that, it's like you've probably done something wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so I think like those scares are getting lesser and lesser, which means there's less risk. And that's why the multiples are going mm. up. That's why private equity groups getting in. That's why banks are willing to finance these deals. So I think those, that multiple will keep going up to being on par with other kind of brick and mortar uh, multiples. So I think um, I think it's just catching up to what it should be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it just sucks that it's it's getting a little more expensive from what I'm used to. Yeah. But I'll still buy at, at a, a good business at that multiple. What's kind of what would you think would be if you found a good brand selling, say, majority on Amazon? Like, what do you think would be like kind of the upper limit of the multiple that would make sense for you before it's kind of like, ah, this is too risky. Uh, four, four and a half. Yeah. I, I would still do that. Um, yeah, yeah, as long as it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anything above that, you know, I'll need a shot of whiskey or something to uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talk with one of these aggregators, and it's interesting because, like, they have so much Amazon experience, but it seems like they're kind of pushing into, you know, your typical, like, D2C, like, on Shopify, uh, maybe even retail. It's mm-hmm. kind of, like, where they see some of the growth for some of these businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so I want to talk about one thing, you know, kind of like we talked about at the beginning, which was... Uh, you know, in our case, for example, well, you've got this business, we've got a profitable e-commerce company, we've kind of lived off, we've never uh, gotten any investors, we've never even really, like, my business partner, you know, which you know, Charles, like, he, you know, may have put a little bit of money in at the beginning, but, like, never put a substantial amount of money, I've never put a dollar into the business, um, kind of earned my way into equity, and so, uh, with that business, though, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if we negotiate with suppliers, because we have kind of an interesting, like, you know, net relationship with the uh, suppliers. So we don't literally buy any inventory up front. But I'm like, you know, they're kind of fronting that cash. And so I'm like, okay, if we could go out there and get money for inventory, um, we don't have to deplete the cash. It'd be pretty low interest rate, but I'm pretty sure we could reduce our costs. And so uh, what's been your experience on the kind of, um, you know, using debt to kind of grow an existing operating business? Yeah, I've got an inventory financing. um, And it's not uh, cheap either. They there's typically, you know, and there's a lot of companies that do inventory financing. They will ask your tax returns. They'll ask for your balance sheets, your performas, you know, whatever the, if you're, you know, for the last nine months of 2021. And then typically they will do um, an appraisal mm-hmm. on your collateral, whatever it is. So we did our, our actual domain and, and kind of the assets of, of, the revenue itself and we're able to get inventory financing from that mm-hmm. um and i our interest rate was like 13 percent. it was kind oh, of really? high yeah it was mm-hmm. a little high we're in a hurry so that's why we just paid that but again it it if you're able to pay the 13 percent um you know and, and i think in, in your case uh you're trying to get that bulk discount right yeah of whatever if i buy you know, 5,000 units today or 500,000 units today, I got that dollar discount. That's half a million dollars in possible profits that you're getting. So you have to um, compare that to that 13% interest rate that you're getting. And does that even make sense? If it does, um, then then you should go for it. Yeah. 
but you know, you have these different classes of like risk. I was talking about houses, it's kind of the cheapest and your online business is next, your brick and mortar stores. But you know, if you get into these um, AR financing, your inventory financing, it does get a little more uh, expensive. Uh, you know, I, I was in a hurry, so that's why I just paid that, but it made sense for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and ever since then, we've just kind of been, uh, we don't need that anymore, but we needed it to fuel growth at that time. And what do you think would be the best, like, where would you go? If we tomorrow woke up and we were like, let's do this, like, where would you go? Um, I, I think the first thing you should do, uh, it, you could Google inventory financing. That's that's one thing you, should, you can do. Yeah. You could go to um, appraise, just Google uh, e-commerce appraisal companies, mm. and they typically would be able to... Um, push in the right direction we used uh b riley as the appraisal company and they're the ones that recommended the um uh inventory financing company to us i, I actually don't even remember who, who they were uh but yeah th- th- these are a few ways to do it you could do it through the bank banks do it as well too it's just inventory financing is not your kind of traditional um loan vehicle yeah. And so your big banks may take too long or they may not want to do it. To, you know, so that's why they're, they're specialized inventory financing companies. Like I think Clear Bank probably does it too and stuff like that. So why, why would you do something that instead of like a line of credit, which I've also never done? Uh, <laughs> you can do a line of credit as well too. And, and that was actually a cheaper option. Yeah. And, that, and that's why we're using a line of credit right now too. Mm. And we're not using the expensive. Um, how does that compare you, to like get inventory financing? Um, you will need to be banking with that bank for like, I think be established customer and still keep, uh, sort of reserves. And you have to show that, Hey, I've kept half a million dollars of reserves in, in the, uh, account. And there are going to be, let's say you get a line of credit. Let's just say you get a $300,000 line of credit at 4%. You could keep tapping into it. So it's a revolving line of credit. You're going to have to keep paying it down. You cannot go above that $300,000. Mm-hmm. But they all want some type of collateral though. Yeah. And so that typically could mean that um, every month you have to do a reporting of your P&L. You have to keep a certain portion of money in the account and cannot get below a reserve amount. Um, so there are going to be some restrictions. But yeah, that, that, that's a cheaper option and better option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to be an established customer and you have to show proof of you know keeping funds in the account. Yeah, yeah. because part of the thing that I've, never, that I've always wondered, it's like I guess people do this on personal money stuff too. But it's like I've heard of these kind of loans you can get if you like keep a chunk of money into their account, brokerage account or bank account or whatever – then it's like you can basically get a loan as long as you keep that amount of money in there. Yeah. But then I'm like, if the whole point is so you don't have to use that cash, then like that cash isn't really available to you anymore. Yeah. Unless maybe you have it invested in some, you know, index funds or stocks or whatever. And it's kind of yeah. like, okay, this is held there. I don't ever plan to sell it, but at least I don't have to sell it now. Yeah. But it's always seemed kind of weird, that relationship. Yeah. I mean, you could do that against your 401k. You could do that against, you know, if you have some type of captive insurance policy, you could yeah. borrow against the actual funds to me it, it it's what you just said it's you have a hundred thousand dollars and you're just borrowing against that you might as well just use that money anyways yeah. uh to be uh you know buying things yeah cool um so yeah last thing i want to get into before we wrap up is uh since you wore the shirt I feel like we got to talk about it <laughs> uh, your uh, uh newer business gloves.com because i know you know we're 
shoot, I don't even know, almost two years into the pandemic, like over 18 months anyways. Um, and so, you know, PPE, protective equipment, like went crazy. I know you talked about this. We talked, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something like that, that you were starting to get into this and looking at those opportunities. And so um, what's been going on with that? Yeah, it's been going, uh, uh, you know, it, it's been difficult. It hasn't been easy. Yeah. And uh, what was the what was the original plan? Uh, to be greedy and make a lot of money, yeah. you know, and, and when we were doing that and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it to be, you know, proud of it, but it, it's just, uh, there's just an opportunity to use your cash to be, um, buying kind of these overpriced gloves and, or PPE in general, and, and just selling it for a profit. And then, uh, unfortunately we just made a big bet and, and the markets just kind of normalized to what they were, Yeah. but I wanted to it just from that learning experience, I wanted to create a long-term business. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and bought the domain gloves.com uh, and it cost me seven figures to just buy the name itself, but it was worth it because it's just, it's these rare assets that, you know, no one else is going to own the, you know, gloves.com, just like amazing.com. No one else is going to own it either. And so we are working now to create this kind of D to C, um, you know, consumable uh, uh, products, goods company where we go directly from the manufacturer with our own branded products to the end user. And I've learned that, man, so many people just use gloves in general. It's not just the medical professionals. Only 50%, I think, of of users are medical professionals, but Mm -hmm. the other 50% are your tattoo artists, your nail salons, your mechanics, uh, cannabis. Like there's so many little industries uh, and, and that's what we're trying to get after is kind of the non-medical uh, customer. So it's been um, it's been fun, but I've been so used to taking a business from like one million to like five million, yeah. and, and never from zero to one million. Mm. And, and so it's it's been challenging just learning this. Uh, it's funny a lot of my friends and peers are really good at going from zero to one million. Uh, but I was never good at that. And so just learning and, and going through that and hiring uh, has been sort of hard and just learning. But we're, 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 we're going to manage and uh, hopefully do well in the future. And so so Gloves.com, the domain, before you bought it, it wasn't like an e-commerce store. No, it, it wasn't. It's it's Imagine a one-page Word document and you take a screenshot of it and you just post that on the website. That's what nice. it was. It was just, you know, you could use Wayback Machine and, and look at the domain. It yeah. was just, there's nothing to it. Mm. Um, and it was kind of parked just, just for the value itself. And now if you look at it, hopefully it looks way better. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you started building an e-commerce business on that domain kind of from scratch. But your, yeah. your goal was to sell directly to consumer. Whereas like the model that I've heard other people doing with that is they typically just like getting stuff from manufacturers in China, then they're like offloading them to, I don't know, whoever, hospitals, I'm sure some sort of intermediaries and that kind of thing. That's exactly what's been the model up till now is the manufacturers will bring it into the USA and they'll just sell it to other distributors or other wholesalers who'll give it to their salespeople who'll go out and go sell it to dental groups and hospitals and stuff. And, uh, you know, if there's so many layers, you just have markup or markup or markup. And what we're trying to do is just kind of cut all that out create transparency, show them like this glove's good. It's, it's registered with the FDA. It all has all these tests behind it. Um, and, and just be really good at pricing and just give a lot of variations of the different type of gloves. Yeah. Um, you know, gloves come in different colors. They come in different thickness. They even come in different flavors. 
So if you go to the dentist, you don't want to feel that kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's vanilla flavored and different things like yeah. that. So that's what we're trying to do is just educate the market with good pricing. Gloves. And have y'all been able to push subscription at all with gloves? Because I mean, these things, you can use them once most cases. Yeah, yeah. The typical, like your typical medical user goes through a box a day. Oh, wow. Uh, and so it, it's, yeah, we are starting the subscription, but uh, for like the last six months, going from zero to six figures have we, as we've done right now a month, yeah. uh, we've been focusing a lot of marketing and a lot of marketing when you initially do just doesn't work out and just uh, testing things out, bringing in new products, new content. So uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of our traffic right now is SEO based, but yeah. we're going to fuel that with uh, paid marketing and do a lot of Amazon as well. Cool. Um, so yeah, last question is... Um you know, with all these changes happening, you know, there's all these aggregators in the e-commerce space, very heavily on Amazon, but I think there's just a lot of money being thrown around in the entire e-commerce space. Where do you see this ending up in the next few years? Yeah, no, it's been, uh, that's why I say, I think it's just so crazy. Like we were talking about real estate in Austin too, how it's been crazy. It's been crazy in the e-commerce space where, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, I think the first aggregator came in 2018 with, 101 and in 2019 was Thrasio and they're at a billion dollar valuation and mm -hmm. I think purchase almost I think they're there too and now you have over 20 aggregators that have popped up this year um, I, I think there's two opportunities for people here um, and I, actually to answer your question sorry I, I think they're just going to go IPO that's just mm -hmm. the next step for these people to you know they've raised a bunch of money uh, they may you know go IPO um, create some value through that and who knows? Uh, Jeff may try to buy them out, or you know, they or Thrasy or whoever will push uh, Amazon around for changes. I mean, they're just going to have so much power one way or another. Yeah. But I think um, people that are seeing this today, um, there's so many people that go to SellerCon. There's so many people that are in the amazing group. There's so many people just in the Amazon space. They should get together. Like, let's say you're doing four million dollars in sales. I'm doing three million dollars in sales. Andy's doing three million dollars in sales. We come together, we give each other, um, sort of the, the, the stocks in each other's companies, come with evaluations, give each, each other a fair share of the whole pie. Now you're at $10 million in yeah. revenue. And now you go buy a small Amazon business, a two, $3 million Amazon business. Uh, now you're at $13 million, okay? So you've proved that you can buy Amazon businesses you've proved that you can run them because each of you come from some type of experience. You're good at branding. I'm good at content. He's good at product sourcing. Um, now you take this $13 million and you go look up what all these big aggregators have been getting funding from. And there's a ton of them. And go reach out to them and say, hey, we are actually uh, users of Amazon. We're actually Amazon sellers. Um, is there any funding that you can give to us? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe let's say you raise $20 million. Uh, that means that you've bought about $5 million worth of uh, profit at a Forex multiple. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you, you become a little larger to where now you're at $7, 8000000 million EBITDA. And you're able to sell this now at a 7 to 9x multiple. Mm. So it, it's kind of like multiple arbitrage. Um, and, and you're just taking these kind of smaller businesses, making them into one one bigger one yeah. but let a larger aggregator just buy you out mm -hmm. that's what i think people should be doing that are in the amazon spaces go to these conferences meet people partner up with them create a smaller larger company though 
uh, and then try to get bought out by somebody else yeah. who these larger aggregators will probably just go IPO. I think that's just the next step because mm-hmm. they've raised billions of dollars. The next step is just to create more value for the shareholders Yeah. Um, besides raising money. And I think IPO is the next step. Do you, do you think them, and then I guess with this kind of model you're talking about on a smaller scale, but them like, do you think it's actually feasible for them to run hundreds or thousands of these tiny brands? That it, it, I'm sure it's hard. It's hard for me to <laughs> run these businesses. But I think the good thing about Amazon is, you know, your your logistics is kind of set up, yeah. uh, being done by Amazon. A lot of the customer service is being done. Uh, you know, your job is to take that product from the manufacturer, make sure it gets delivered to uh, uh, the warehouse. Um, and, and and like the problem everyone's facing right now is these container prices are going up. Inflation's here. Uh, unit prices are going up, um, but I think um, to be running multiple businesses, even a hundred or even a thousand, you just need more people, and that's where like these guys have been good is they've gotten so much money, they've hired a lot of smart people. So yeah. I think it's it's manageable as long as you have the human uh, power or human resources to do it. Yeah. I think it's I think it's manageable. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're doing well. I mean, like we know, I don't know if they just have like a few tricks that they implement, but we know some people that have sold businesses to them, and they're like. Yeah, literally within a few months, they like doubled our sales because they've got their certain levelers and tricks that they pull on the ad side or ranking side. And yeah. So, and I think they'll also just buy a ton of inventory so then their costs go way down. Yeah. So they yeah. Really know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, like the, the kind of the last example you gave is if even if you're able, let's say your unit cost is 10 bucks and now you're buying in bulk. Yeah. Uh, now your unit cost is $7. So you're saving that $3 and if you're selling 100,000 units a year. You just made three hundred thousand dollars extra in profit, yeah. but at that four x multiple, you just added an extra one point two million dollars value to the company. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the one of the low hanging fruits I've always gone after is see if I could buy in bulk yeah. as well to to increase my profits. Yeah, it seems like one of their biggest risks is they just do something on the marketing side that becomes like systemic. Like you've heard of these people that you know getting banned because they're doing tricky stuff on the review side or yeah. buying groups and that kind of thing. If they did something systemic like that and it just like spread like a virus through their entire company like that, yeah, that would be bad. But they're that, probably not that stupid, hopefully. Yeah, and, and that would suck. But I think I also think they're pretty large where um, they must have good relationships with, uh, you know, there's either the Amazon reps or, or, yeah. or somebody. I think they are a big fish and I don't think uh, anybody would really rock with, you know, just mess around with them. But I'm sure they're smart enough not to. Uh, do too many gray hat or black hat stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's about it. So thanks a lot for joining us, uh, Shaquille. Thanks, Matt, for having me. All right, so that was Shaquille Prasla. Uh, you know, super excited to have him here. I appreciate him coming down here from, uh, you know, he lives up north in Austin, Texas, and we're in here in downtown, so appreciate him doing this with us. If you have any questions for me or Mike uh, about e-commerce, definitely send us a message over at amazing.com slash branded. You fill out that little form, we check those before each episode, and we will answer your questions live. Or if you have any other people you think we should interview or other topics, you can pop them in there also. Uh, So thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.